Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, you grab a seat. And howdy! Howdy! Welcome to Grace Southwood. Hope, hopefully y'all had a great spring break. Okay, okay. Uh, those of you just said, no, I needed more school. I needed more time to study. And, uh, and I, dis- I dislike the spring break. I'm sorry you had that. For the rest of you, you have a good time? So good. My, my time was spent uh, basically here playing uh, freeze tag with children around my, around my yard. That was, that was my experience. Hopefully yours was a little better. The, I'll, I'll tell you this, though, guys. Uh, we are at a very exciting season in the history of Grace Bible Church. I, I don't, there is not a better time to be a part of Grace Bible Church than what is going on right now and over the next few years. And so really, this morning, I'm going to be introducing us to, to some ideas that are going to carry us through the end of the semester. There are some things that are going to be coming that, are, that Grace Bible Church is going to be a part of that are, are really historic for us. And I want really to invite you into that, not merely to just be a participant in observing it, but actually be a participant that, that charges in with us. And I, I hope you're excited about it. And I'm going to roll some of that this morning, but we're going to be off next week. But over the next four weeks after that, you get to be part of really what is a historic move at Grace Bible Church for what God is going to be doing in and through us over the next several, several decades and years. It is exciting. And I know that sounds a little bit cloak and dagger-ish, but stick with me. It's going to be amazing. If you have a Bible, jump to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to read a little bit for us, and then we will jump in, and you'll be hear more about what's coming. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Jesus says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great clouds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds, and some fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them, and other seeds fell along the rocky ground, where they did not have much Soil And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, and they were scorched, and since they had no roots, they withered away. Now other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on the good soil, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. We pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. And Jesus, thank you so much for your teaching. And Lord, I I confess that as I read your words, oftentimes, Jesus, I don't really know what you're getting at. I don't really know the changes I'm supposed to make. I don't really know the person you're wanting me to be. And I know for many of us, when we hear this scripture, that may be what we're thinking. Jesus, what am I supposed to learn from this? Who am I supposed to be? So Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, and as we think about what's coming over the next several weeks at Grace, that you would open up our hearts, that we would hear clearly from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, in 1895, a significant event occurred. There's a young man named Joshua Slocum, and he built a boat that he called the Spray. Oops, that's at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can we go to the beginning? And a boat called the Spray. And, uh, and he, it was basically a discarded ship. Uh, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't wanted by the previous sailors. And so he took this ship and literally rebuilt it. He stripped it apart and, and built it one piece at a time so that it became a ship seaworthy. And he took it to some old whalers, like some ship whalers that knew boats. And he took it over to them. And, and one whaling captain said this, they found it with one voice pronounced it an A1. In their opinion, fit to smash ice. The oldest captain, it says, shook my hand warmly. And when the breast, put, breast, huh, when the breast hooks were put in place, he declared that he should see no reason why the spray should not cut the bow head. And I hear those words and I'm like, I don't know what that means. But it means the boat was ready. And it was literally fit to smash ice. And so Joshua Slocum at this point in April 24th, 1895, decided to take this ship and sail alone around the world. So by himself, alone on this boat, he got in and started going alone. And three years later, on June 27th, 1898, he returned to Newport, Rhode Island, having circumnavigated the entire world alone. And he wrote a book about it called Sailing Alone Around the World. And as people read this book, they were amazed about the the authorship and, and, and the adventure that he took. And one author, Arthur Ramson, wrote this. Boys who do not like this book ought to be drowned at once. Love it. Got to love the 1890s, right? (laughs) Sir Edwin Arnold wrote of this, um, wrote this. I do not hesitate to call it the most extraordinary book ever published. And I look at that and I'm like, why is it that this book written in the 1890s got all these people stirred up? Why were they so excited about reading this book? And I'll tell you why. There's something amazing about a journey of an individual taking something worldwide alone. It's beautiful. And I think about that, I go, that's what we're supposed to do with the gospel. See, we have this message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to take this message around the world. And literally it's, there's got to be a way to do it. And if you think about Jesus and his early disciples, um, he was only lived on planet earth for about three, three and a half years. And after three, three and a half years, he He left, and then he tells his boys in Matthew 28, here's your responsibility. Take this word worldwide. Take this message to the ends of the earth. Literally, Matthew 28, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Take this message to the ends of the earth. And if you're honest, if you're a thinking person, you're going, that seems a little ambitious, right? Like, I don't know, Jesus, if I'm capable of taking this message all the way around the world. But I'll tell you this, Jesus doesn't ask us to do it alone. He asks us to do it through one simple process. And it is the process that is fit to smash ice. Literally, the reason the boat was fit to smash ice is because you could drop it in any environment and it would survive. So if you read the book, literally, he would go through moments where there was crazy waves, intense situations, and and the boat would navigate those. There's times when it was calm seas, and it was fine to navigate those. There's times when it was was, uh, ice that he had to literally go through, and he could navigate those circumstances because he had something that could survive any environment. And Jesus says, look, there's something that I'm going to give you that will allow you to survive any environment you walk into. It's one process. 
to get this message worldwide is discipleship. It's discipleship. Oh, Kevin, discipleship? What does that even mean? Is it coffee dates? Is it mean I tell someone about my problems? Like over an extended period of time, we meet every week and like, what do you hate? Oh, I hate that too. You know, is it that moment? Is that what we're talking about discipleship? Is that what we're saying? No. There's a process of discipleship and it's simply this. I'll give you three phrases to summarize the whole thing of discipleship. It's this. Love Jesus. Love others. Make more. Love Jesus. That you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you would grow in your deep love for Jesus. That you would love others. Family, people outside of you. The church, that you would love others. That you would extend the love of Christ to them. And thirdly, that you would make more. You would invest your life into others. That they might know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and pour their lives into others. It is a very simple process. And I'll tell you what. The reason I think it's so important for us to talk about discipleship is this. We have an amazing historic moment here at Grace Bible Church. I'm not going to roll the whole package for you, but our part in moving the college ministry to Consult High School is is just one little piece in what God is doing. There's a much bigger vision where God is leading us to, to move the gospel beyond our four walls to more campuses, to more cities, and to the ends of the earth. That's what's going to get unrolled over the next several weeks. But before we talk about all the details of what that might look like, I thought it would be better for us to take a step back and say, all right, Lord, if that's what you're going to lead us to, let's start right here with me. Before we talk about everything that we could do, I want to start right here at our hearts and say, Lord, how am I doing as an individual disciple Before we talk about bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, I want to take a couple steps back and say, Lord, how am I doing right here? And the reason I brought us to this passage is because in this moment, Jesus is saying, I want you to think about your heart. I want you to think about the soil of your heart, what's going on right here. And what's interesting is after he lays out this section at the beginning of this, this statement, hey, there's seed. A sower scatters it. It lands on different things. Different things happen. If you've got ears, listen up. He kind of pieces out. I love moments like that with Jesus because you're like, what are you saying? And his disciples literally have no clue. And if you go on, they ask him, verse 10, the same question I think all of us would ask, which is this. The disciples came to him and said, uh, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, to you, verse 11, It has been granted to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For the one who has, more has been given, and he will be given in abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they don't understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear and never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. Why? For the people's hearts become dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And they have closed their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. He says, look, here's the problem. I'm giving great words. The problem is not the teacher. The problem is in the learner. The problem is not in what I'm saying. The problem is in what they're receiving. 
And what I'm trying to tell you is this. I'm going to tell, I'm going to explain this parable to you. I'm going to explain these ideas to you, but you've got to take inventory about what's going on in the soil of your heart. And he lines out four soils. There are four soils that Jesus walks through. And he says, the purpose of understanding the soils is this for us to evaluate ourselves. How do we respond when we receive the seed, which is the word of God? He compares the word of God, the king to the story that God is moving throughout the world, that he has sent his son to save all of us. He is sending it like a seed. And the question is this, seed, tic-tacs were my best example. How do you respond when you get the seed, the word? There's four soils. And the first soil is this. It falls along the path. Verse 19. He says, I'll explain it to you. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes up and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what happens with the soil along the path. See, the, the reality is this, that when in individuals, like in this moment, hear the word of God, there's a variety of hearts that we walk into this moment with. And some of us walk into with, with hearts that are like a path. Now, when, you, when a farmer was, was uh, planting his, his, uh, his crops, he would have a piece of land, and there are paths along the side of the, of the fresh, fertile ground. And along the path, the, the sower would really, literally just throw seeds off into these furrows. And every now and then, the seed would fall over onto one of these paths that's on the side of the fertile ground. He says, yes, some of you, some of us, are like that path soil. And the problem with the path soil is this. It's hard. And the seed can't sink deep. It just sits on the surface. Some of us, when we hear the word of God, it sits on the surface of our lives. And we treat the word of God kind of like sage advice. You know, like, like one in the hand is better than two in the bush. Hmm. Okay. Or like a fortune cookie. You know, you go out to some cool Chinese food. You go over to like Panda, you know, like quality Chinese food. And every now, you know, you sit there at the end of the meal and you, you open up the fortune cookie and you read it and you're like, oh, Confucius say, oh, perfect. You know, and you, and you get that little wisdom and you're like, does it apply right now? I don't know. And you take it and you stick it in your pocket and then you wash it in your clothes later on. And you're like, what is this? Ne-? Oh my God. You know, like some of us, the word of God literally sits on the surface of our lives and we treat it like a fortune cookie. We go, oh, that sounds cute. It's interesting advice. I'll consider if I want to do that. So this week, for the first time in my life, I entered into the coaching profession. My, uh, my six-year-old son is playing soccer. The coach had a wedding to go to, and so I stepped in and filled in, right? And so all week, I was the coach, um, coaching six-year-olds. I've never really dealt with other six-year-olds. I've dealt with my six-year-olds. But I played soccer when I was younger, and so I thought, clearly, um, I have the tools to educate these children, and help them to have the word sink deep into their hearts, right? That's, that's what I'm hoping. And so all week, we taught them two things. This is the only two plays we want you to learn in soccer. Now, if you've never played soccer, the goal is this, to get the ball in the goal and to stop the other team from getting that ball into your goal. It's a simple game, right? And every now and then, the ball will go out of bounds. 
Sometimes you'll have to do a goal kick, which means you'll put the ball right in front of your goal and kick it out. Other times you'll have a throw in where you'll take the ball and then throw it into to play the game. Again, simple rules, basics of soccer. Well, here's the problem. Every time the ball would go out of bounds for a goal kick, they would kick it out and they're not strong enough to kick it far. They would kick it right in front of their own goal. There's no goalies. And so the other team would get the ball and just bink and put, kick it right back into the goal. And so I just want to teach them one strategy. Kick the ball to the sideline. I don't care if it goes out of bounds. That's a win, right? I just want to teach them this simple rule. So literally for two practices, I know this is taking much longer than it should. For two practices, I taught them, kick it out of bounds. That's all you've got to do or kick it to your teammate that's on the side. Do we kick it across the goal? No. Do we get out of bounds? Yes. We get to the game. Great aspirations. The children would listen. They would receive the word deep into their hearts. The kid looks at me from the sideline. Sideline. Right in the middle of the field. Like he didn't even try. It wasn't even like, oh, I just miskicked it. No, no. He didn't even try to obey. He just kicked it right there. It's like, whatever. Later on in the game, I'm like, well, maybe throw-ins. We'll figure this one out, right? Maybe we'll figure out throw-ins. I'm standing there with the kid. It's out of bounds right next to me. I'm like, okay, buddy, just throw it right down the sideline. Don't throw it to the middle of the field because every time they threw it to the middle of the field, the other team would get it and kick it into the goal every time. Just throw it down the line. If it goes out of bounds again, it's fine. He literally looks at me and throws it right to the middle of the field. And the, kid, the other team gets the ball, dribbles it right in, kicks it in. And I'm, I'm sitting on the sideline just livid. I'm like going, these children, these children. And I'm going, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I can't believe we lost. And I'm like, there's a reason you lost. If you would have just done anything that I said, like anything, like this would have gone differently. But, but some of us literally, we sit with the word of God. We sit with good instruction and we say, I will consider it as I consider all of my options. I will think about it. And for those of us, our hearts are literally hard. And so the word of God never sinks deep. It just stays on the surface. And the tragedy that Jesus says is this, Satan comes and takes it away. There will be a moment when your heart is so hard that the truth sitting on the surface of your lives will never be able to sink deep and Satan will come in and take it away and it won't even be a consideration for you. He says, I want you to think about your heart. Some of, you are like, some of us are like the path. And he moves on to Satan, but some of us are like rocky ground. Verse 20 says it this way. As for what it was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And he has no root in himself, but it endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise on account of my word, immediately he falls away. He says there's another type of person that the word of God falls into, and it's, it's rocky soil. It's got a lot of rocks in it. Now, in, in Jerusalem, the, the land, basically, you'd have to till it, but pull out all the rocks in the center of the field so that so the, the seed could actually grow deep into the soil. And so he says, but some of you, literally, there's just a lot of rocks in your life. So the, the word of God falls in, and it can't ever get any root because it's just sitting there amongst all 
the rocks. But what's so interesting is that, is that it can go in a little bit. It says it, at first you receive it with joy. And so you're like, oh man, Jesus is awesome. Some of you walked out of high school with this. Like you walked out of high school and Jesus was so cool because you went to conferences, you went to concerts, you went to retreats, and you're like, man, when we get that Jesus high, it is so good. I remember as a youth pastor, um, after we had a great retreat one week, several of the guys, I'm sitting around with several of these senior guys, and they're like, yeah, man, I just want to keep this Jesus thing going. I'm like, oh, like Jesus is a drug hit, you know? Like you just want to ride this out. And I'm like, I just, I just don't know. And, and for many of us, I'll tell you what, let's be honest about the College Station. There are so many cool Christian opportunities. Many of us can walk into our Christian life and walk along our Christian life and it just be one high after another where we go, oh man, I went to Breakaway and then I went to that small group and then I was an impact and we impacted, you know, like we did all of these things that were so great and you just literally walk from one Christian high from a mo- for, to the next. But the challenge is this, when tribulation comes or when persecution comes, when the heat of those circumstances hit your life, you have no roots to hold you steady. See, tribulation is a general term. It means any type of suffering that would come. When things stop going your way, you're like, you know what? I don't know if this Jesus thing is working. You treat Jesus like I treated my high school football team. They were terrible. And so inevitably, every beginning of every season, every year, we're like, okay, this is going to be the year. This is the year we're going to win some football games. It's going to be great. And so we would go to the games, and I would cheer in the stands, and then we'd be down by 20 by halftime, and then I would go, it's been great, guys. I've got a thing with a deal. And, uh, and they're like, we're all here. And like, yeah, I got another thing with a deal. And I would just leave. As soon as it got tough, I was a fair-weather fan. I've been watching the Browns this, this past football season, Cleveland Browns. Oh, it's been rough. They had the perfect season, 0-16. And literally, their fans are coming in with bags on their heads going, like, I just, I barely want to be here. And I'll tell you this, the piece that you have to realize is this. Walking with Jesus does not mean your life will go easy. Some of you are going to come to the end of this semester of your senior year, and you're going to say, I went to a and got, I'm getting a degree. I got a cute ring. Like, everything is going as planned, right? Like, everything's perfect. And you're going to go, all right, Jesus, where's the job? All right, Jesus, where's the spouse? Because I had to marry Nagy. And I had to meet him before spring, right? Ring before spring and all is beautiful, I don't know. And you're, you're walking this and you're going, okay, God, I paid, but you're not paying out. I've given, but you're not giving back. I've played the game but Jesus, I expected you to pay out a certain way. And when Jesus doesn't meet your expectations, it becomes difficult to continue to obey because the seed's just sitting in the rocks. When tribulation, or even worse, persecution comes, like, I don't know if I want to keep going. One of the one challenging stories I heard recently was um, with a guy who graduated from here. And he's um, at school in, in the Northeast, and he is absolutely brilliant. And he says, you know what? what's really hard about walking with Christ up here is that no one cares. 
He's like, literally, I'm, I'm wearing a cross necklace around. And people are like, that's pretty bold of you. And so every day he's walking through, people are going like, why are you a Christian? Why are you believing that? And I'll tell you what, it becomes very difficult when the people around you, the people you respect, the people you're trying to earn their attention are saying, really? You're really going to wear that? When, when persecution or trials hit us, if you're a rock, that word will not sink deep because you're a fair weather fan. The third soil is the thorny soil. Verse 22 says this way. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but he, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. There's two things that, that take down the, the thorny soil. And it's this, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And we've all seen this play out. Worry has a way of clouding our minds. So just think about your time during finals. When you're in the midst of finals and the worry of that exam, suddenly you can't become focused. Suddenly your roommates are like, I'm so glad you still live here. I've been doing my thing, right? Your worry of your exams is so overwhelming for you that you can't even focus on what's most important in your life or the deceitfulness of riches. So interesting. He doesn't say things that I would expect. He doesn't say things like, beware of drugs, you know? Beware of the crazy people. Like, he doesn't say normal things that we would be worried about. He says, I'll tell you two things to worry about. Two things that will get you off course. Your worry and your love of money. Because here's what happens. When you're worried, you're worried about things you can't control your future, your finances, and what do we immediately run to? Things we can control. And that's why he says the second thing that will pull you off course, that will be thorny in your life, is the love of money. You're like, Kevin, I don't love money. I'm in college. I I would have none to love. (laughs) The word for for riches is, is the general word for possessions. It's something that you possess. And it, that possession ends up possessing you. And so as a college student, it's that accolade. It's that grade point average. It's whatever it is that you're chasing to say, once I have that, then I'll be safe, then I'll be secure. Once you get out of that, it will be finances. It'll be your 401k. It will be your retirement fund. It will be this other thing. But, but something that you accumulate, some little tally mark, will take your mind off course. And what's so subtle is this, that you don't know their thorns. He says these things like kind of grow up around you and they kind of choke the life out of you, but you don't even know that it's taking from you because you're just running in the way of the world. He says your worries or your accumulating things, that will pull you off course. So you'll be like, seed, there's just not room for you here anymore. But there is fourthly the good soil. And I want to be careful at this moment to say, all right, Kevin, what you're saying is that there's good people and there's bad people. Be a good person and not a bad person. That's actually not the point of this story. See, the difference is in what the seed itself produces. See, the seed is the word of God. 
and the seed is thrown out. The good soil is not good because it's good. The good soil is good because Jesus makes it good. See, he changes your heart. He changes your life. See, Jesus alone puts the word, and the word can literally change you if you let it in. The word of God can literally grow and shape you if you let that word sink deep. And so how do you let that word sink deep into your heart? I love James. And James says it this way. This is so helpful for me from James. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he looks like. He says, there's some people that look at the word of God and they look at it like a mirror. And, and for some of us, we look at the, for some of us look at the word of God, like we look at a mirror, um, like, and you look at the mirror like I look at the mirror, which is you walk in front of the mirror, you look, you say, that's as good as it gets, and you move on, right? Like that's how, that's how you walk in front of a mirror. But some of you, and this is what James is going to encourage you to do, is to look at the mirror, the word of God, like my wife looks at the mirror. When my wife looks at a mirror, she looks at this. But the one who looks into the mirror, the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer and forgetter, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, how my wife walks in front of a mirror is this way, with the expectation of change, right? So she walks in, she goes, I'm going to dial that up a little bit. I'm going to fix that around. Okay, that looks good. I'm going to do that little thing. And so there's an expectation when she steps in front of the mirror that she's going to make something even more spectacular, right? Like that's what's going to happen. When I walk in, good to be the king, moving on. And for some of us, as we look at the word of God, you want it to sink deep. You want to change your heart and change your life. It means this. You walk in with the expectation of, I don't measure up. Something's got to change. I'm not who I should be. Something's got to shift. And at that moment, you, gotta, you ask yourself two questions. All right, Lord, what do I need to do to make the shift? What do I need to do to make a change? And that, at that point, I would just hit pause one more time and say, you can't change you. You can't, be, you can't produce fruit from the seed. All you can do is to be open for the seed to grow and produce its fruit. So what does that mean, Kevin? What are you saying to me? What I'm saying is the good soil knows this. I can't produce fruit. All I can do is ask for God to cause the growth. The good soil knows I can't fix me. I can't change me. I can't get that word to grow and for things to be seen. All I can do is to be open for God to change me. And this is huge. Because if you just say, I'm going to approximate my life to the teachings of Jesus and hope to be a better person, then you're doing the same as any other religion. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to come into your heart into your life, and I'm going to change you from the inside out. So the, the, the hearer, the good soil is simply the ones like the disciples that come to Jesus at the, in this moment and go, I don't know what you are saying. 
I don't know how to make my life better. I don't know how to make the changes that you want me to make. And Jesus says, perfect. Come on. Come right here with me, and I will begin changing you. Here's the cool part about what's coming next. I think we have the potential right now, at this point, for Jesus to make some major changes in us and through us. About a year ago, Trey Corey and I sat right out here in this parking lot and we began praying and thinking about what it would look like for for the college ministry to reach more college students and for us to be better neighbors with the school right across the street. And we began praying about it. And then we began having conversations with the school right across the street. Lord, what could we do to make a better impact? And so we went across the street and we found a staff and a faculty that was so open to us coming there and being a part of making a positive impact in that school. And so what does this look like? Well, here's a map of the school. I showed this to you a couple weeks ago, but not others were here, so I'm going to show this again. This is Grace Southwood right here in this corner. This is our parking lot where none of you could park, right? It's more for show. <laughs> this is A&M Consolidated High School. It's a, it's a little bit bigger, if you can see the difference there. Uh-huh. This is the parking lot where some of you parked in. This is another street that you park in. This is Harvard Mitchell. These over here are more parking spots. I don't know if you can see that from there. These are, these are parking spots. We don't, we don't like parking spots, but they're helpful for us because we build buildings. We don't build parking. Um, that's true at every Grace campus. And here's what we have right over here. Um, there's an auditorium that seats about 500. There's a cafeteria that's um, for table discussion groups that's about six, seven, six or 700. If you came from this entrance, which is closest to Southwood, it's a long walk. If you come from here, all of these other parking spots that you saw, those pretty beautiful open spots, it's a very short entrance right in here to come be part of it. Other thing you can notice as well, um, if you park over here, everyone gets in a log jam, huge long lines right here. You've been there? Uh-huh. This is another road. You see that? <laughs> you could park over here and exit over there. Like, you see that, how that worked? That's amazing. We didn't plan that when we were building Grace, and, and here's why. Um, we had no idea what God would do. We had no idea the number of lives that would be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through Grace Southwood. We didn't know, but God knew. We had no idea the number of people that would, that would come here and meet Jesus and live a life to be changed, but God did. And he already paved the way for the staff there and for us here to really say, hey, let's partner together. Let's think about how y'all can make an impact here and provide some space for you guys so that more people could know the gospel and be changed. I think that's what's, where God's leading us. But I'll tell you what, as fun as any of those things might be, that's a picture of the auditorium. As fun as any of those things would, would be, I, I would say this. The goal is not more people. The goal is more disciples. 
The goal is not more people sitting in rows. The goal is more disciple-making disciples that reach the world for Christ. Amen? Amen. Do you want to see more college students know the gospel? You want to see more salvations here? You want to see life changed by the power of Jesus? I do. That's why I do what I do. And to have that happen, to be able to be open to what God would bring to us, it's going to start right here with us. That your heart should be open, that your heart should be ready to hear what God would want to do. So my question for you, before we talk about anything else, is this. How's the soil of your heart? Are you ready to receive what Jesus says and apply it to your lives? And if you don't know how to, say, Lord, I, I know I'm supposed to love people well. I'm supposed to be a disciple-making disciple. I'm supposed to make an impact. I don't know how, but I'm willing to let that seed sink deep, that you might change me, and that I could be part of the kingdom that you are building here. And so this week, one application point. It's the simplest message you'll ever have. One application point that you would spend time, that I would spend time saying, Lord, prepare the soil of my heart that I might be ready for what you want to do. Can you do that this week? Guys, we can't do this without you. But together, gosh, the number of people that could be saved and lives to be changed could be amazing. And I pray that you'd be a part. I pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I know that for many of us, when we hear the word of God, it's, it may be interesting, it may be enlightening, but for many of us, it doesn't seek deep into our hearts. And there's, there's many reasons for that. There's worries that we face. There's, there's trials that we're facing. There's, there's a hardness within us that, that we don't want to walk in your ways. But Lord, I pray that this week, as we spend time with you, we would be open-handed. That you would do what it says in the Psalms. That we would sit by your word and it would be like streams of water bearing fruit in its season in our lives. So Lord, I lift up each one of these students to you. That you would draw them close to you, Jesus. And that you would let your word sink deep in their hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys turn your tables. That's some great discussion. <laughs>